for entrepreneurship, esports, education, entertainment. I'm one of your hosts, Marcus Howard, joined by other great hosts here. Sebastian Chosen One Burton. Right. And for me, your master geekress. And Derek, a.k.a. Mr. Don't Work. Excellent. We're live today, Marcus. What we got? A lot of good stuff, man. We're going to switch it up a little bit. You know, we've had a lot of great guests these last 10 episodes. We're going to mix it up so that we have a chance, uh, you know, really share what's going on on a week-to-week basis. Still going to bring those great guests into the flow, into the, the, the schedule, but talk about some cool stuff. So this week, we're going to cover, obviously, Mortal Kombat, Overwatch, Dogecoin, and GameStop. So spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen Mortal Kombat, we're about to basically cover this shit in the end. So if you haven't seen Mortal Kombat, yeah. don't, don't leave the podcast with you for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I feel like you probably don't want to watch this if you're going to see it and you haven't seen it yet. Um, cause so yeah, it'll be at the end. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, um, I think, uh, I think it was a, Good movie, but I have some thoughts. Um, I mostly liked. I know Red said we should talk about talk about what we like first before we got. Are we not doing this at the end? We're gonna do it at the end of the podcast. I thought we were doing it now. No, I'm excited to talk about it. Okay, can, go can ahead. I be, can I be honest? Can I be honest? I'm just excited. But should we wait to the end strategically? Talk to me. Talk to your old boy. <laughs> buddy, <children. laughs> it's up to y'all. Let's it's up to y'all. Let's run with it. Let's run with it. Let's okay. Gosh. Well, I mean. Hey, listen. Spoilers are spoilers, man. Like beginning or end, you're gonna you're gonna get, you know. You're without gonna... spoiling, without spoiling, I get. Okay. 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 I feel like if it was the first entry to a movie and I was a kid, I would think that it was like a little below par of Marvel and re-entering that Marvel universe, but it still felt like. They're setting up for a universe. I respected that. And I liked that. And I felt like, okay, cool. They're leaving you a little bit to know like there there is more. If I was new, right? I'm 10 years old. You know, like I've only seen the new Mortal Kombat's really. And if I was young, I didn't even know Mortal Kombat, the original, like nine, the remake. So like now I'm just like, okay, this is a movie adaption of I started playing maybe around MKX in 2015. I would think like, okay, cool. Like they showed some of my characters that I like. They showed um, some cool fights. They showed, uh, you know, some classic stuff that I fell in love with with the game. Um, and they definitely had, like, a, a a surprise couple of characters I don't think you would have guessed if you had to pick. So I enjoyed that. But, but clearly, clearly. But, but I had some thoughts on some of the character picks and... I just don't know about the choice of since it's going to be our own version, having a whole made up character that's like the main character. I just don't know. I don't think that worked out for Resident Evil in the movie series. I don't think that like, you know, like making up somebody to make some. I don't know what that's about. Like making them up, having them have the nice family. Like I have to do it for them. I like that. But it's like you're not in this, man. You're not from like this real entrenched world in these realms like they just made you up that was like the kid in me and that's my review one of the things i liked the two things i liked one was that they they had like um cameo or or easter egg things that were in there just people who played the game right i'm not going to spoil any of it but like you could go through the 
the movie and say, oh, I recognize that. Oh, like you, you played arcade games, like you definitely recognize that. Right. The right. thing was like the set pieces, right? Like different specific, and I can't spoil any of it, but specific pieces, like I remember that that's a Mortal Kombat stage. Right. So that was dope. Right. Right. I'm going to let you go then last in Red Infamous since you need to drink your drinks. <laughs> Um, Respectfully. <laughs> so I'm I'm a Mortal Kombat player, but I never cared about any of the movies. So this is my first movie that I've watched that is Mortal Kombat related. Um, I thought it was pretty pretty straight. It seemed like it got to a point where they tried to rush it to be done. Like it's like, okay, we've been doing this for a minute. Let's go ahead and shut this movie off and be done with it. Um, after that build up, uh, I thought the effects were okay. Um, some of the fighting scenes were a little bit weak uh, just from a choreography standpoint. Um, but I, I think it got the job done. I, I didn't leave there feeling like it was a cheesy movie or anything. But I also, I didn't see, uh, I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about they watched it two or three times. I It didn't leave me wanting to watch it again. It was straight <laughs> to go through it the first time, but yeah. I don't need to go back through it um, to see it again. Yeah, nah, I would agree with that. That's one of the cool things about HBO Max, though, right? I didn't watch the whole movie again, but I went to go see, like, specific pieces. I did do that. I did do that. I think I had to see one part because someone said that I had, like, looked away because, again, the HBO Max thing. So I, like, looked away on the other screen on uh, my rig, and I I missed the bicycle kick. So I went back and rewatched that because, you know, got to see that. But, yeah, I just did that. I didn't watch the whole thing over again. I don't know if it was – I feel like – I was going to say one of the things I didn't like, uh, and Derek hit on it, is the pace. The pace was kind of like really weird how they built it up dramatically. And then really like, I feel like they just had a conversation with uh, the main guy. And he was just like, you're going to fight this person. You're going to fight this person. It's like, hold on. You just got here. (laughs) Like, how are you telling? This is this Liu Kang, man. You don't talk to him like that. (laughs) Dragon, he got skills. You just came i don't know not my camera yeah, I, I agree <laughs> what do you think so um <laughs> been a mortal Kombat fan forever and i've watched the films i've watched the web series i've watched the animated movie um the tv series was trash back in the days <laughs> um the cartoon was cool and um the way this movie felt was as if i was playing unnecessary side missions and never got to the main mission. And uh, that's like how I felt about the movie. The acting was corny. Uh, The created character who is the main character, I felt was unnecessary. I felt they should have had actually went along with the lore of the actual series. I know this is pretty much like uh, a resurrection of Mortal Kombat movies. I felt like they should have gotten a better director. This is this is this this director. This is his first major movie he've ever directed. Same goes with the writers, except for one of the writers mm. who's supposed to be uh, also writing for Shang Chi. Uh, but the rest of the writers, this is their first major and damn near first project that they've written for. I felt there was a lot of cheesiness in it, as far as the characters. Um, some of the characters did their thing. One character was very favorable. Um, I think he did a really great job. And I'm going to say Kano. 
uh, portraying the persona of, of Kano. That was that was my dude in the movie. It was funny. Like it was just one part. I was like, yo, that was realistic. And it was very simple part. It was a part between him and Liu Kang. I'm not going to spoil what it was. Um, my dude, I call him Bacalao Kung Lao. That's my nickname for Kung Lao. One of my favorite characters. Uh, it's just one part was very corny <laughs> uh, that he came about. And um, who I don't like, period, in all of Mortal Kombat ever before this movie even graced upon my eyes is Raiden. Uh, he continued my annoyance in the uh-huh. movie, <laughs> even in, even in the movie. Um, let's just say him being a, a god or a demigod, he sure enough don't use that in, in this movie at all for yeah. certain scenarios. So he's not allowed um, to. I just you know feel like not allowed to. They stuck to that. And I respected that. He's not allowed to. The elder guy's not allowed to. No, he to broke it. You know, he broke it, right? He broke it. Who did he hit? He hit he Shang, ex- he hit Shang Tsung he and explained, sent him back to He explained going. that he's not oh. supposed to interfere, yet he interfered in, in one of the scenes. If you check back, he interfered, and he even winked when he did it. So, like, so... Um, HBO Max chosen, so you can go just right back to Yeah, you, go, you go look at it again. Hmm. Um, well, that looks nice. So, um, so yeah, uh, I just felt like the it was it was corny to me. The fight scenes, there were some fight scenes that was cool, but I just felt like the plot was everywhere. Uh, and some of the characters really did not sell the characters we grew up with. So, yeah, that's that's my take. One of the things I, I read, what online, they casted more for the fighting, like the, the, the talent for fighting, not for their acting ability. And I think you can see it, it's, it's painfully obvious here in the movie is that like these are fighters who happen to be acting. They still didn't fight right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what they were saying with the choreography. They on that. I, <laughs> so, well, I was like, eh, 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 eh. <laughs> so like, okay. You know, I, one thing I'll say that I, I wish in 2021, like, younger people were in power in these places to make these decisions because it is just such a, like, dated thing for the person to, like, say the thing from the video game. Like, I hated when Kung Lao did that, for lack of a better term, a fatality, and then he was just like, you know, fatality. Like he said, flawless, flawless. victory. Oh, even like, worse, it, even worse. It wasn't a flawless victory because he got hit. Right. Factually, like factually, hit. Inc- factually incorrect what he said, but also too like you don't have to say that. Yes, he did. She grabbed him. That's a hit. <laughs> it is. Chip damage in Mortal she Kombat. It's true. Chip, it's true. I feel like I feel like there's just those moments where like or Liu Kang said fatality. And I just like I liked it, but then I just wish like sometimes you could just not say it and it's so subtle. It's like the old uh like Godfather movies. There's like so many things that you don't have to say. Just like You don't have to say it. You know, like you don't have to say those things. Like we respect that so much. That's why it's a global phenomenon. So just let it be. <laughs> Get over here. You don't you can't skip that. That's a move, right? Can't skip that. Yeah, like, it's a movie. Can't skip the announcer it. It stuff. Like a TV let us have show. That, you know, but it felt like a it felt like a TV show that was rushed. Okay, I can that's how that. I felt. Yeah, through the movie, I was like, okay, we're getting. They, it uh, didn't feel like, yo, this is the cinematic joint that's about to pop off. I I, I didn't like. <laughs> I didn't get that. Like, and and what I've gathered is like I've watched the web series, and that was a fan made production that they got funding from. That was incredible. And I loved. Is that legacy that you're talking it. about? 
Yes. I, Legacy listen, was better than this movie. Listen, listen. That Sector Cyrax episode was the best. Bruh. No matter what, when you go through the years <laughs> of Mortal Kombat, right? Like, those are characters that you're like, I wonder how technology or CGI exactly. has to, you know, now the that's presentation a and that was that's that a was, fan made. That was incredible. Movie. That was incredible. That was incredible. That was incredible. And it was a series. You know, you can still put it all together because they put it all together to, to have right. it like a movie. But it was a series. It was a series. But yeah. they had Michael Jai White in there. Mm-hmm. They had the girl. What was it? Seven or nine? Nine out of ten. What's her name from Star? Um, from Star Trek. She was in there as Sonya Blade. Like yeah, Kano was that. dope in there. Like it was dope. They made the whole series. I only saw the trailer with. Uh... Scorpion. They I saw, yeah, series. I saw that because I did. I just seen it by episodes. I seen the Johnny Cage episode. I seen. Uh, yeah, the, it was believable. Yeah, it was fire. The Sector Cyrax one. I was like, man, listen, you better check, you better check. Uh, Elon Musk and Tesla, and mm-hmm. they cutting under people's skin, putting them robot stuff under there <laughs> now. They got so much going on. I seen that stuff with Starlink this week. I was like, that's crazy. Um, and I just think like uh, for Mortal Kombat, I feel like. It was a good starting point. Someone in here, Jeffrey Potvin, said on LinkedIn, he said it was a good, a good, um, a good start, but it lacked a. Uh, Xavier Gray said it lacked a movie-like story plot. It felt like cutscenes from yes. a video game. Because even if you never played the game, this is the thing where I'm getting from people. Even if you never played the video game, didn't know about the video game, you as being a person who watched movies is not going to see the continuity in the plot. Like, that's my problem with it. Now, coming from a gamer's aspect, there's things that I'm like, yo, y'all really, like, y'all dead ass, like, y'all really chose to do that. Like, that's like, that's where I'm coming in. And then somebody in the middle, I'm like, everybody that enjoyed this did not see the web series. Yeah. And then this new character that y'all made the main character doesn't feel like a main character at all. No. We just could have had just went right back to square one and just have Luke Kang just be the main character all over again. Oh. So, yeah, they didn't they didn't to me. And he know he's a good actor. Like we've seen him in Iron Fist. He was in a couple of other um, movies as well. I was like, they just could have did him as just because of who he is and where he so-called come from. They could have did a better job. But, yeah, I just felt um, cinematic wise. I hope I hope with the sequel. They uh, take some heed and not go off of this hype that's going on. Well, I mean, Johnny Cage is coming. I thought that was, uh, oh, well, you know. Please don't. Please don't Saints Row. Please. Sorry. <laughs> Please sorry. Don't sorry. Saints Row. We, we went through the whole segment right there. <laughs> yeah. That was as bad with spoilers. <laughs> I'm like. Thanks, Chosen. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to me. I was tired when I watched it. Um, so, uh, Marcus, what uh, what do you want to tell the people this week? Let's get into some of these these great topics. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Mortal Kombat, check it out so you can at least see if it to you was crunk it or junk it. All right, check it out. Let us know because I thought it was. I have two sides to me. I just thought it was okay. And then I hated it. I don't know about the side that loved it. <laughs> I love that. Because you love the action, probably. You love the action. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was a thing. So watch it, please. Um, now, Marcus, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. So real quick, some housekeeping stuff. Uh, if, if you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, if you'll give us a rating, um, 
you know, or some comments. We're trying to, to continue to boost the, the reach of this. Our, our producer reminded us, appreciate that, Richard. Um, just anybody, if you're listening to this on your podcast we, and hope you enjoy this, we're always going to continue to push the needle on this and make this more valuable for you. So we appreciate that. But I want to talk about Dogecoin for a second because I'm getting tired of the Dogecoin hype. Uh-oh. So just want to <laughs> just Uh-oh. address a few things, right? Uh, nothing against anybody who made some money off of it, right? I can't knock the hustle. If you may turn $20 into a new Xbox, congratulations. But when Dogecoin launched in like 2012, 2013, amongst other cryptocurrencies, the entire crypto community knew it was a joke. Like people who created it weren't taking it seriously. And haven't been in this space since 2013. I know about the scams that happen around ICOs and general cryptocurrencies. And so this has all like the stink of a scam, right? Mm. If you look at the development history, you can see when developers are like making steady progress on a, uh, the code that makes coins work. Check Bitcoin, check Ethereum. If you look at Dogecoin, there hasn't been like any real development in over 18 months. Like they just recently started like two or three months ago, but basically the coin's been dead. So what you have is like a bunch of people pumping up something that has no real utility. Think about Bitcoin. Bitcoin, you can buy Teslas with it. You can buy houses with it. Hell, you can add it to your uh, retirement portfolio. Think about Ethereum. Ethereum powers like 85 to 95% of all business apps on the blockchain, right? And then you look at Dogecoin. What is the utility there? How can you use it outside of just trading it? Yeah, you can go use it at, uh, and you hear Elon, not Elon Musk, uh, Mark Cuban talking about paying for stuff over at the Mavericks but his money is already in, right? He has an incentive to hype it up. So I just want people to be careful putting their money into Dogecoin, thinking it's going to be the next Bitcoin because the fundamentals just aren't there. And a lot of people are going to get burned. I remember, again, 2016, 2018, people were getting second mortgages on their homes to get into Bitcoin during the ICO boom and bust. And a lot of people were just left. They just got caught slipping. So I don't want to see anybody out of of our community, um, you know, have that same problem. But just be careful because I'm also in these telegram groups and these discord groups. There are people who are actively doing pump and dumps. That's where they go out into the marketplace, social media, hype up a coin and coordinate. So they all buy right at the same time to boost the, the, the price of the coin up and then they all get out, which makes the price crash. So just be careful out there. This, this isn't stock It's completely unregulated. So I got a question because like, like I'm still lost with cryptocurrency. Of course, I hear whatever's popping. It's not what I should. And like cryptocurrency is like the wild, wild west. And um, like you you explain like with Bitcoin, because like in the beginning, you know, Bitcoin was for the scammers and you know, kind of like like it, it's it wasn't something that was well renowned. It was like well renowned in the dark, like like the dark web type, you know, type situation. So as more companies took heed to what was going on, because it was a different financial, like, I guess, revenue stream, like it start to kind of get its weight up and be more reputable. And of course I see with, with Dogecoin, they knew it was a joke, but I'm, I'm asking cause you the guru <laughs> because they put just like with Bitcoin, they made something that is not backed by something made it worth something. So how is it the difference between Dogecoin starting out just like Bitcoin starting out? Because you said there was like this type of 
infrastructure that was still put in place even in the beginnings with Bitcoin that you just don't see, period, with Dogecoin. So it's like, if they like it today, they like it today. But if tomorrow they don't like it, you're not really, you don't have like a safety net compared to the infrastructure of Bitcoin. That's a great question. And just to be clear, you know, all money is basically a social contract, right? Technically, the U.S. dollar <laughs> dropped the gold standard in 1971. So we're all just using like these pieces of fabric just because we believe it has value, right? Yeah. So Dogecoin is the same. Bitcoin is the same. Like anything is the same. You know, it could be like tubs of pain or like shoes, right? Whatever you choose to be currency is currency. That's why barter systems work. But when you look at the fundamentals, it just misses the core pieces that make a cryptocurrency viable long term. Again, there are basically like maybe in the last two or three months, developers have gotten back into it after like Elon Musk tweeted it. But before then, there was this 18 month gap where no one was supporting it. The original developers left it. You can go just go read up about it and hear about like how basically the coin died. And so even if a community is supporting it, what happens when like Dogecoin is not the thing that everybody's trending on? Right. And if you're not paying attention to it, there's nothing to fall back on. There's no safety net. You really got to pay attention to it damn near every day. Yeah. I mean, something like this. It dropped from, I think the high point was like 46, above 40. It's now trading at like 25 cents. 25. Yeah. I saw people on like Friday, like, is it going to go up to a dollar? Like spreading it out to their network. So a lot of people jumped in, like, right as it was going right above 40. And now it's at 25. If you don't understand how crypto works, you're going to panic sell. So then you lost, what is that, nearly 50% of your investment. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's just off the hype. That's what the world we live in now, too. Like, that's the world, right? Like, it literally can be just off of hype. Like, everybody's seeing something and then the behavior is following what they're seeing and not actual, like, research on fundamentals, right? Like, that brings me to, like, a uh, thought of, like, um, the GameStop CEO is mm. likely going to get a payout and he's exiting the company now and he's going to get a payout. And yeah, the, the, he sold everything. Yeah, the stock, all the stock, <laughs> and he's going to get a payout. And it's like that came from a group of Redditors trying to gamble with the system. Robinhood stopped it for regulations they say had nothing to do with, you know, the common man getting his. But now the GameStop CEO who benefited from that rush is taking the money and leaving anyway. It's like... That's the what on what? I was like, wait a minute. And that's why it's like people need to heed what Marcus is saying because you guys are the ones powering that. You're powering <laughs> that. Whether you know it or not, you're powering that. Like You are giving that the gas. They are laughing together about that. And their GameStop's quote for the longest time or their slogan for the longest time has been power to the players. Do you feel powerful yet? <laughs> Right. We look at GameStop's yeah. another great example, right? After it got boosted by the Reddit group or the subreddit, right? It right. just went back to the fundamentals and the price crash. Right. Right. Mm. As a company, they haven't done anything advanced in the last 10 years, right? They've just had a lot of real estate and gamers by numbers have a place to go. So they'll go there. And they've just been hanging on that way, closing stores year after year after year. They bring a CEO on. He benefits from the group of Redditors raising the price. Isn't this like the fourth leaves. CEO? Yeah. Yeah. Came in and then leaves. He leaves Red. Now he's leaving. After the GameStop, well, this GameStop thing seems to settle down. Get on out of here. You know, GameStop had a streaming service in 2014 and they 
sold it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it was whack, but yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> at least they, I mean. They tried to catch up with the times once, but they didn't even like reiterate that. They just they sold just it do off. Things off a trend. They sold it off, meaning they just took the money right there. Someone was like, someone was like, well, we think in 2020, premium services will be up a lot. And in 2014, GameStop was like, nah, give us the money. <laughs> give us the money now. Give us the money. We'll take the money and, you know, the rest. Well, well, who who knows? Twenty twenty will probably be in a different business. <laughs> roll the dice. Yeah, roll the dice. Yeah, I mean that was crazy to read that uh, the CEO is getting a payout. And I think of all the stuff you were talking about, Marcus, with trends really controlling the market now because everybody has a Robin Hood or a Weeble. Trends really control the market stronger than they ever did in this society. So you know you could hear things or get, or get <laughs> yeah yeah well, it falls in the esports hella too. Falls in the esports uh, all the time, all all the time. Uh, you know, I think one to talk about is uh, the Overwatch League. I think that that's one that is a conversation of interest to me because I watched very closely as the first fully funded league came together, and what we see is yeah. what we see is is um, you know. The difference with esports and traditional sports is one key factor. Like, there's a lot of different things, but one key factor that people have to accept is that genres matter. All genres matter. Okay. Genres matter. And so, even if Overwatch was huge, right? Like, it was this huge world dominating game. It'd still just be Overwatch, and the rest of the people who don't watch or play Overwatch wouldn't be involved in it. So, how much value can you put in something like that? We're just two years later, and Overwatch can't make front page news, and they're looking at a second game coming out, and a new uh, season of their league is about to come out, and they can't make headline news. I have to search for Overwatch news right now. Meanwhile, yeah, you you literally have to search for like I'm I'm right now searching for uh, Overwatch news, but it was something that you posted like the the caption you posted in the chat um, of what somebody was talking about, and they brought up a really good factor. It was the same thing that almost happened to Street Fighter. Right. Uh, so remember when Street Fighter came out with their with um, Street Fighter Five, and they came out with their game. And it was half ass. So so it was yeah. half ass from what they promised. Yeah. So they said, okay, the new Street Fighter is gonna come out, it's gonna have a storyline, and it's gonna have arcade mode and so forth and so forth. Right. And they announced when the story mode was actually supposed to come out. When Street Fighter came out, it wasn't what everybody expected. Right. Thus the casual gamers, because you have to understand the casual gamers is the ones who's going to actually keep the game alive, not the esports players. Right. The casual gamers. Right. <laughs> so that's the, that's the gaming the industry, ca- right? <laughs> You're gonna say that again, right? Yeah, please. That's the please. the casual gamers is what actually keeps the game alive, not the esports players. It's not. You have a small percentage of esports players compared to a large percentage of consumers that is going to go out and pay for your game. That's gonna go out and pay for DLC that is going to hooray for the game coming out, hooray for their favorite esports player. But that's the small, that's like the ratio of people to players, come on, just like with any other sport. 
So I use that example of Street Fighter because that's one of the things that uh, one of the people has said with Overwatch. It's like, okay, I came out. I remember when they showcased Overwatch at PAX. I forgot which PAX it was. And they show all these diverse type of characters. And then every time they was coming out with more characters, they invested so much into the voice actors. It created a really dope fan base. Right. Yet they didn't take care of the fan base. They let toxicity come in. Uh, once people started streaming or whatever the case may be, it was very racial. I swear, <laughs> like I haven't seen so much racism in like just playing online since like back in the days on Call of Duty 4, like my, the first Modern Warfare. When I would put on my 360 and I'm getting met with all kind of stuff and I got to fight back and all stuff. Right, <laughs> like, right. but with... Overwatch, it's like, wait a minute, this look yeah. kind of more cutesy. Yeah. And yet I'm getting called everything. I remember Malik, when he started being the host, they would put so much different racist type emotes and all kind yeah. of stuff in yeah. the chat, um, just alone from him. And I'm like, Activision Blizzard, y'all not, y'all understood what happened with Call of Duty and y'all corrected that. So, Blizzard, why didn't y'all not correct what was going on? And I guess they didn't even let Activision come in to be an actual consultant. Y'all own the company. You see what they had to regulate with Call of Duty. Why didn't y'all put those same emphasis on the Overwatch League? Like, you have a lot of kids playing this game. You have so many different people from all walks of life. Y'all so-called try to add diversity into the game. Like, so, y'all don't understand y'all viewership, which means that the fans is going to be like, why should I play this? Let me go to Apex. Boom. That's what's <laughs> like, happening. That's, that's what's happening. And then even like the live events, we look at the teams. The teams are mostly Korean. Even though if we got a New York team, it's mostly Korean players. It's like it's not, it's just not meeting a lot of different core things that kind of make it like everybody's a part of the the, the whole community of it. So it's 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 very one sided. That's how I feel about that community and that league. It's just very one sided. Yeah, I mean, I I think that what you're saying is all true, and at the same time, it just raises questions about you know what we talk about with um, you know the esports current bubble and then esports 2.0. This is a great outline for people to look at when they ask that question. It's like the bubble is built. They built this league on the back that people were like. Hey, people love this. No culture, no regulation. They're like, people love this trend. People are saying this. Look how much money this group made off of it. Jump in, jump in, jump in, jump in, jump in. And then it's like, okay, well, who's got the biggest opportunity for us to jump in? Because now all the big investors' ears hear it. And they're like, okay, I only want to go to the number one top dog. Well, you look at anybody's balance sheet and Activision Blizzard prints money. I mean, they're easily them, (laughs) Twitch and Amazon. Only a few companies are making money hand over fist and profitability year after year after year, right? And in the whole space. So Activision Blizzard, of course, so they get all these big investors, right? You get Robert Kraft and the Patriots. You get, you know, Gary Vee. You get a bunch of different people putting money up because they're like, well, look, we're about to build this huge thing. You know, Yeah, the Mets. I mean, you have all these people putting all this money in. And here we are with smaller communities are rocking out at what Overwatch is trying to do. And it's it's just going to prove that without the right pieces and the right people, 
it's not going to work. And it seems like that's why a lot, I mean, the last two, three years, I know you guys have noticed, and I don't have them right in front of me, but I definitely know the recent one of like the layoffs in the esports department. I mean, in their esports and Activision and Blizzard, they don't even, these are people who are building this community. It's almost like they don't think esports is, it's like firing customer service reps. Like they think they're (laughs) just kind of like, you can just get somebody else who can ask these questions. When it's like these people are going to the events, these people are on the floor with the people, and even if they're just Q and A analysts or whatever, you're not building something that will last, so that an actual community sticks around and wants to be around the game. It goes right into what Red was saying about like you know having pro players that look like everybody. One, two, uh, like actually sticking with the story, the characters, the development, the things that make Naruto sell over and over and over again. The things that make Dragon Ball Z, I mean, man, listen, if in three years they come out with Dragon Ball Z Super X and it's another random tournament out in space and that doesn't show you how much they could just, as long as Goku does this, we're going to be able to sell it. You have to be able to do that. And I believe like Overwatch missed the mark. And I think that a lot of their fans, and that's why I shared that, uh, I shared in the group chat, uh, that, that comment from a really big group on Facebook. And you can just see the real disappointment in that from the fans. It's like they tried to cater to the MLG crowd. That's how they put it, right? And it's like, yeah, they didn't. It, yeah. yeah, they didn't. They didn't really care about. It's almost like Jeff Kaplan would begin to come out more about uh, nerfs and buffs more than he would come out about the new experiences coming to the game or the new characters or you know what's Winston. Exactly. What's Winston doing in the off time? Those were coming out at first. Those was coming out. I was like, oh, this game is kind of fire. I'm not going to lie. They got my attention. But then it just stopped being about that and stopped being buffs, nerfs, and, of course, the toxicity that it lives in this esports ecosystem. All the people were like, yo, kids are playing this. They never want to see what kids are doing and saying on it. And now the chicken's coming home to roost because most of the gamers that Red is talking about, the non-esports competitors, you know, the huge part of the market, they look at that and they're like, I'm good over here on Candy Crush, buddy. Y'all are crazy. <laughs> yeah, not catering can, to can your you audience. Blame them? Huh? Who? I say, but, but can you blame them, though? And I imagine, I, I know we think that the casual gamers keeps a game alive, but I know the casual gamer isn't applying the pressure as investors and people that have paid $32 million to be part of a league are doing when it, like that type of pressure that that you put on developers and stuff to keep up with. Like every organization has uh, a squad, B squad and a D squad. If you're lucky from a developer standpoint, and and if your main developers, you're going to put them on the things that are priority. So therefore you're shifting them from, if you say esports, this organization and making this successful because so many people have dumped so much money into uh, us. And so that we need to make this thing successful. I'm going to take my a squad and move them over into focusing on the esports stuff. And then I might have my B and C squad that's working on the lore and the other added character standpoint from a man uh, uh, or woman resource standpoint. So therefore, eventually, when you look up, you're like, oh, well, shit, we haven't really put out another character. We put out two. And then we've been nerfing and buffing with my, our main developers uh, throughout this entire time. Um, I know from a from a job standpoint, I feel like it's easy to say, oh, well, they should be focused. They should have both, but it doesn't really work like that. Your 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 good team that you had from the ground up, you're going to keep putting them on the things that you consider priority, even if you pick the wrong things that are priority as they seem. You know, 
Because you could put out like seven new characters in the esports community. If they're complaining, the people that are investing millions, if they're complaining, you're going to feel that pressure. And it's not going to be the same amount of pressure, even if the casual audience is like, yay, this is awesome. Well, that's why that's why I brought up Street Fighter, because that's the reason why Street Fighter has lasted this long in the community is because. The only mess up they've had recently and they and they admitted to that, like they had to admit to it, like, yeah, we did come out with this game like this at first to get it ready for Evo. I said that from the jump and they didn't say it yet. They later then had to explain, but their audience was they was angry. If you're if you're just going to cater towards the buzz of esports and you're not catering to your whole ecosystem on what even made it to be. It's going to fall. You still got to have people come showing up to those events. I mean, now we live in this world that we can't do that now. So now what is it going to rely on? If people, if there's less people playing, because you have to understand they money just don't come from esports. Now, if they money is just relying off of esports, that's bad. No, no, I, I totally, I totally agree. I'm talking about the flex, the flex of the trouble of you're stressed out at work is not going to come from the casual audience. It's coming from big dogs with lawyers and applying that pressure, calling your phone and, and those back office meetings. And, and they're on side of the, uh, on the golf course that you're getting cussed out at like that is going to be pressure. You, the, the casual audience is only be able to talk trash to you from a online standpoint where you eventually feel the pressure eventually, because yeah, like the casual audience carries the the load of that, but from immediate pressure where you're thinking from a day to day, like, okay, let me appease this person. They're not, they're not going to be able to pry the same amount of pressure as, lawyers and investors they can't if they stop yeah. buying, you know yeah they stop buying that's the a game clock, and though. support that's a, that's yeah that's over time we're talking about immediately when somebody's picking up the phone and cussing you out about something a casual gamer is not going to apply that pressure yeah, the, you, i mean right like the, the the complaining of a consumer just complaining no but if nobody is spending hours on your game anymore because they feel like you're not making it safe for me to play this game how are we going to birth the new esports players? Exactly. So that's the thing. What I mean about the ecosystem of 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 Street Fighter. Street Fighter had, well, I would say the community did it before Capcom started to actually make their way in more. But they did when they had e- supported Evo and so forth. So um so forth. They started is building the next esports player. Whether I'm playing casuals to whatever, I, I feel that I could be in this community. There's nobody talking about, oh, I want to be an Overwatch esports player. There's nobody saying that, like, yo, I want to play, I want to play an Overwatch League. Yeah. Now, in the beginning, there were. But they don't see them. So even if you was white, black, whatever, like you don't see yourself. You see mostly Koreans. So you see the Koreans, they invested in Korean players to be the face of their game. I we have a New York team. Excelsior, they are mostly Korean, and I think there's a, someone else from Taiwan on that I team. Most, I, I think most Overwatch teams were uh, foreigners, anyways. Whether it was R- Russians or Brazil, or like they really didn't seem like they were recruiting. They, they had like anyways. a sprinkle. Of, yeah, like, <laughs> see, they had like a sprinkle. It was foreign, yeah. But that's what I mean by that. Like, for example, Call of Duty League. You have some foreigners there, but you have kind of you get people from damn near everywhere on Call of Duty League with with Gears with Halo. 
thought I this thought we considered League like of Legends Dota. being carried by foreign. Though I, I thought that whole league is is carried by non-Americans, right? Yeah, so but shouldn't Overwatch follow t- that? See that as an example. But look like, at okay, the genre. Well, but look at the genre of Overwatch compared to the genre of League of Legends. A genre of something like Overwatch, I was surprised, was led by Korean players. Because they mostly focus on real-time strategy games for com- for competition or the adventure, of course, in fighting games. I didn't expect a shooting game to be that one game that they championed. That's why I was saying, like, the genre, I didn't expect that to happen because of the genre. Most shooter games can is is mostly Western. <laughs> Westerners kind of fall a lot of times in the shooting games. And of course, you get some foreign people competing, of course. I never expected that Overwatch League was going to be Asian driven. Well, I, I did not expect that. I, I expected it to be Asian driven just because of the character base. I already know that U.S. is going to it's going to take a while for U.S. to pick up on cartoony stuff even if the genre is a first person shooter but they fans are mostly western oh but it was still carried in the beginning by asians like they like okay yeah i can see a, a gorilla that's that's talking and some night person in a, this little reaper killer because <laughs> <laughs> a lot a lot of the the dudes that were playing call of duty and halo that were in the first person shooter world they were like Overwatch like is gonna suck just because of the character. Like they didn't even play the game. It was like because of the characters, it's gonna suck because it's cartoony. I think that's what made it a big deal, right? Overwatch um was a big deal among the communities because it had the appeal for shooters who Derek's talking about, like Western shooters. It had a percentage, more percentage of that group of people were interested in what is like a real-time strategy style, you know, kind of like you know, that there's no bullet count. Right. That's and that's what real uh, first person shooter people, they're going to designate like you can't if you can't count the bullets. Dude, like, May got a bullet. Three shot, you know, three shotties down or two shots. Like, yeah. 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 Like, like, like certain characters. Well, what I mean is like what I mean is like don't, everything in the game, no matter what it is, it's not like you have to you don't have to pick up ammo. Right. It's just like everything reloads. Right. Everybody's. Yeah. However they get it, you get yeah. it back through time or whatever. That varies different <laughs> yeah. from first person shooters where like everything is counted for, right? So like that's what but yeah. but because the game has guns and pressure and offense and defense like a first person shooter, it attracted yeah. a lot of Western people, but it does have that RTS like a uh, kind of appeal over to it, which was cool because it like blended all the culture and then they tied the middle with all the movies and the culture. So it was dope. Which was, and which then, was the best. I feel like the, the little movies and stuff, they, they did a thing. It was, dope. It it was cool. dope. They made it, they made it so that you're going to be able to 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 invest in the characters, and therefore the characters were going to become valuable, valuable IP. Before, before you move on, let me ask, do you think it's dead? Is there any recovering from for Overwatch? I mean, I think. I think they gotta fix that it, community. It, they have to people get, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, first of all, first of all, I don't think it's going in the play direction. a game. Jeff Kaplan, the brainchild of you know Overwatch and games before Overwatch at uh, Activision Blizzard, he's out. He retired. And so, what I know from past experiences at game studios is things definitely change, and not always for the better. When uh, the head goes right. Like it's not from the original, you know, brainchild. So 
he leaves. And then I think another, I want to say, designer, major designer left as well. You have from last year, um, I want to say Nate Nanzer. He left uh, Activision Blizzard as the Overwatch League director and went to Fortnite to direct their esports. Was that last yeah, year? Yeah, right? I was about to say. Yeah, he left. He went I over to Epic. So, yeah. so they've lost the esports director. Lots of the players have retired. The word is out that people make more money than being an Overwatch player, being an Overwatch streamer. The word is out. Everybody knows that. So you have a player issue. Your company is not short in money. So to answer your question, Derek, there's runway. I mean, it's Activision Blizzard. Luckily for them, this industry is powered by the publisher. You know, GameStop like to say powered by the player. Yeah, no. Power from the publisher. Okay? The publisher... It is it's so strong and Activision Blizzard is one of the big dog eating ones. They could just drop a Call of Duty and make enough to fund, you know, the next two quarters. So it's like, um I think overall Overwatch is in a crazy spot, but um I'm looking forward to seeing how they manage to turn it around because they took a lot of money in, man. Like that's my thing. They took a lot of money in. You didn't need anybody could tell you you don't need all this money to get the community reds talking about. You know what I'm saying? You know, you don't need you don't need a you don't need a lot of money. They took in a lot of money, so you would figure it would be like the community on steroids, you know, stereotypically speak or uh, like uh, metaphorically speaking, rather. It would be like it on steroids. Like the community would be huge because they have just money. Oh my god! But as you can see, in the case of Fortnite, that didn't work, and that's why genres and games matter. You can't jump on a game's jock because it's new and popular. That's why what Marcus is always talking about with. Finding individual and red as well, like finding indie devs and supporting it and finding its values, its core values early, and like understanding who the developers are and what their long term plans are will always make for better games. And if you go back through game stories, usually that's always the case. Usually that's always the case. The Rocket League, Rocket League is a perfect example. Yep, yep, stuck with indie developer, like. A lot of these games that was made, Overwatch was not indie. It came out the brains of Activision, and this is what we're looking at. I'm not judging nobody, but this is what you're looking at. You can have whatever opinion you want, but I mean, that's a hundred million dollars. There's more than five teams, and they all had to pay twenty million to get down. It's a hundred million. Crazy. That's a hundred yeah, million that, that dollars. Was, that was the crazy that's 100 part. That million was the crazy dollars. part. You're not getting that money back. <laughs> Yeah, that that was a, you had to pay to play. That was the crazy million <laughs> dollars. All right, that was and they make money crazy. and they make money. So there's no issue of mm-hmm. money. And then everybody's getting laid off. The creator left. Hello, not a great spot, but I, they have I, money. I do. They have a runway. I, if they're willing to, if they're willing to change what Red said first and foremost, Red, you're right, and that's on the money. We should hit the uh, the cha-ching for that because he said you got to change the community. Got to change the that community. joint is gotta crazy change the right community. now. It, it, people don't, like, don't want to go. And it I, I, I want to use a quick. I want to use a quick example. I want to tie fighting games in real quick, right? Like I tell people, like the FGC, you had people throwing events out of their pocket in the ballrooms of hotels for years, okay? And it scaled and scaled and scaled, but it turned out when you looked and turned to the other genres. It didn't scale the same way they did. Problem one. So you have to stop and say, hey, no matter what we did, it didn't work as good as what those guys over there have done. And then you look back at what happened and our community 
had toxicity. And whether you like it or not, people show up, right? I've been to a thousand fighting game events. It's great camaraderie. It's great competition. I have my own personal opinions on things, but I'm not even talking about me. I'm talking about Johnny Consumer, right? If I come into this hotel ballroom and people are, you know, smoking everywhere or like vaping and people are, uh, you know, uh, being like rude. I, God, I feel bad when I see the women in there sometimes circled by eight guys holding arcade sticks. Some of the, (laughs) I feel so bad. I'd be like, ain't never seen a woman before. Just the, you know what I'm saying? The behavior, the behavior, just some of the, 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 we've heard the, the things about body odor, things like that are what kept first timers, new people. New people who like this was my Wanting first one. To be in, yeah. this, this event, 2013, is my first one. I'm coming. I'm excited. A lot of people were probably leaving fighting game events like they probably yeah, traumatized. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna take this to GameStop while they're still around. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I it wasn't it wasn't um and it was it was very it was very grassrootsy, very grass. You know, you know, like, very grassroots, and 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 a lot of that transitioned into Overwatch. I see it, I see it because a lot of that racism, that casual ass racism, a lot of uh, you know, the the like esports versus not esports even attitude, right? The gate, like the, 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 the game gatekeep mode, of, of the mode, even the modes, even the modes, right? The modes get people saying crazy shit to each other, like, "Why are you in?" diamond when you know your ass is right over the rise it's like people getting on the game how do you think you're gonna build your community when that conversation exists in your community it's not inviting no. it's not an inviting no, community it's not gonna, it's not gonna and, work um, it's not gonna at work. least with fighting like you could have had it's i don't know it's it's a different like fighting game community is just a different texture of like i like, yo, the, you grittiness. Just, I like the grittiness but yeah i, but, I, I but, love but, the grittiness it's just like how like you know, rap battle community. Like, it's like, that's how I feel about the fighting game community. You you had a way to get in and not, like, you cannot be soft. No. I don't care if you're a no. female. Cannot be no. coming in here being soft or whatever. Like, geez, they said something, you say something back. Like, yeah. you had to have a certain tough skin coming into the fighting game community. So I understood that. And then it started... You know, getting a little bit more structured and getting some money and, you know, had more lighting and, bro, you got to put on some deodorant and, you know, like right, it started right. to grow. Right. right. But, <laughs> you know, but, um, and he even went to other, other realms and, uh, of hotels and, and venues. So we, we got to see it grow. It's no reason why a multi million dollar league is ghetto. So like, it's no like that's that's Overwatch League should not have this type of craziness that's going on. And to Derek, like if it's gonna last, I feel like this is this opportunity for Overwatch Two to revamp and restart a lot. That's that's how I feel. Them coming out with the new game them doing more community things. I feel like they really need to tap into the community of Overwatch. They need to tap into uh, different communities, ethnic communities with Overwatch as well, because it ain't looking too good out here with the stakeholders. So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's rough stuff. I really think that, I really think when I look at it right now, um, it's a great question, Derek. I would say, you know, 
they got money, so you get runway. You know, it's like you get runway. They had, they just got time, so it's like someone could come in and help them. They could figure something out. You know, I, I wouldn't. I don't know. Based on their decisions, I can't bet on it. But I would say, like, yeah. I mean, I feel like the things that I see our companies doing, and not the two horns, just the things I see companies like ours and other great companies out there as well doing to shift the entire culture. They may be a benefit factor of that, right? They have money and they can just kind of get involved with that. But um, overall, their decision making now, especially with uh, uh, Jeff Kaplan leaving, I uh, just feel like Overwatch may be a doomed game. They may be doomed. They may be having no, another good project. Tell, but... Just tell Overwatch the higher high point gamer. You know what I'm saying? Just high point gaming. You know, like? for the consultant. So I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm serious. Like, just tell him, like, listen, Derek is gonna be up there. Like, look, this is what y'all need to do. X, Y, Z. Boom. This <laughs> is like, but serious. They need to come and and get some consultant from different companies on how to make it work. I was gonna say, right, Bobby, you said it, and it's true. It's true. It's true. It really comes down to, you know, a lot of these companies recognizing that. Your executives who are leaving, <laughs> let me make that clear. A lot of these companies, your executives are leaving and going somewhere else. They're going to the other industry being like, yeah, I just came from video games. Weird stuff happened over there. That's how, that's how they're yeah, that's not good. They're leaving. They're saying, they're saying this is cool. What do you say there? I say rich, rich as fuck, too. Yeah. Oh, it was amazing. Yo, you won't believe what just happened to me at GameStop. <laughs> Best traded <laughs> ever. <laughs> That's crazy ever. That's how how it is. That's how it is. And until, you know, it's, and and it's been a lot of the classism in the industry that gets these kind of conversations to be, uh, to be rough, you know? And I want to, I want to make sure I, I, I touch that real quick before we go. A lot of people don't feel like they can be a part of the conversation at the publisher level or at the developer level because of a lot of the classism that happened through the industry, through the years. So you got people who think like, if you've never been to an E3, or if you've never, you know, helped develop a game, or if you've done, I mean, all these, Activision Blizzard is a company with hundreds of departments of roles that are not what you think they are. And they all have a piece in decision making, right? You don't know what this executive from BP, who's now Activision Blizzard, Right or the NFL, who's now Activision Blizzard, you don't know what he used to do before his thoughts mattered about video games. Likely, he cared about it less than you. Okay, it's likely. In fact, he probably would think you're making a great point, but I got this check I got to go get. So, read right a couple weeks ago, brought up a great point how job applications are really like flyers, and they trying to cut out all the you know the the people they don't want. Well, that's the same way I feel like the industry has been with some of those. (laughs) The industry has been with some of those roles and positions, like developer, executive at a company, any of that. Don't get me wrong; you earn those roles, and you should respect them. I'm not being like, yeah, just do whatever you want. I'm just saying it's time for people in consulting positions, um, in the esports media, um, uh, just all over the the space. Start, you know staking claim and putting you know your name out there more and getting your community built because uh it's really open right now again we always talk about the esports being the wild wild west it's yours to take like right now set it up because as you can see a hundred million dollars doesn't just make whatever you build blow up that's you can have your opinion look what's happening and that's all i'll say
Anybody else? So, well, so we're going to be chopping it up again this time next week. We don't have a, a special featured guest for next week, but in two weeks, we are excited to bring the CEO of Beelin Studios, who publishes or will be developing and producing Knockout City. Talk about the game, talk about the philosophy of the game developer, what they're bringing to the space that's, that's fresh for gaming and for esports. So we'll be sharing more about that in the next couple of weeks. And if you haven't heard me say this every week since the, the beta, the game drops May 21st. <laughs> yeah, uh, May 21st? May 21st, I think. Okay. Let me check my calendar. Let me make sure. <laughs> Why you said it like that? Because <laughs> he said it an hour ago like that. He trust me. He'll like say it Captain again. America, Captain Falcon. There we go. He, he is going to let get, me check my calendar. He's going to get the Captain America skin on his Knockout City character. Trust me. Oh right. god, it better be Captain Falcon. Game. It better be Falcon. <laughs> Captain Falcon, right? Uh, man, okay. listen. Great to talk with you guys as usual. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, the Eat for Life course is in final editing stage, which is dope. I'm looking for five. 10 20 21 for it to be the drop date so i'm so excited if you guys want a free of course all you guys will get it i want you guys to take it tell me what you think of it i'm so excited for you to see the process in the mind of sales um and entrepreneurship but all you guys out there if you want it for free and you're watching this now message me because i just want the first 50 people to get their hands on it and let me know what they think because i spent a lot of time a lot of effort and a lot of money to bring sales and entrepreneurship in a package that you can understand from somebody who's done it, knows what they're talking about, and giving you the opportunity to learn and uh, learn some skills that are really valuable in today's world, like Facebook ads, YouTube ads, sales skills, closing the deal and DMs, all of the above. It's how you eat for life in today's world. And I'm glad to share this platform with these beautiful people, and I'm excited to bring you guys into the eat for life world. So thank you for that. Anything else from anybody else? Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, share. We, we working, man. That's it. Give us all the love. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, we'll be sure to be back with you next week. More gems, more knowledge, more esports, more education, more eating for life. Well, holla. Hey. All your tax returns.